dancing teens pointing at words. I'm like, where was this when I was a kid? This would have been so great. The words appear in the sky and you point at them. Oh, oh God, that's good stuff. Couchbase is a modern, multi-cloud-to-edge, SQL-friendly JSON document database for building applications with agility, performance, and scale. If you're new to Couchbase and would like to learn more, the Couchbase Developer Portal is the best place to start. It's loaded with tutorials, videos, and documentation, as well as best practice tips, quick start guides, and community resources, including the Couchbase Developer Community Forum. Ready to get started developing on Couchbase? Visit couchbase.com slash new to Couchbase. Hello. Good morning, hey. everybody. Hey, good morning. Hi, Paul. Hi, Sarah. Ah, nothing going on in the world. Just relax. Yeah, it's pretty boring out there. I'm not sure there's any news. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll come up with something. We'll come up with something. Paul, I know this is always right up your wheelhouse. The, none other than the great lady herself, the New York Times, is telling me that retro computing is hip. It's in. It's having its moment. You know what's funny is, for me, just in classic fashion for myself, I made a mm-hmm. concerted effort to be kind of done with all things retro in the last 18 months. Like just, nah, <laughs> you know, cause it, it's bad. Cause people, I have a floppy disk as my Twitter avatar. And so people are like, oh, mm-hmm. and it's an Amiga floppy disk and from Workbench 1.3. And people are like, oh, well, you know, Paul, he's uh, he's into that stuff. And, and I am, I like, I, I actually am always curious about the history of technology and where ideas come from. But I was like, eh, I'm getting too associated with old things. I should just kind of stop talking about that. And uh, now right. it's cool. Now the New York Times has said it's cool. So once again, I have blown it. You're just cycling out of the trends. Every time I see one of these things, I think of uh, one time I was in Brooklyn outside of a hip Williamsburg coffee shop. And there was just a guy on a tiny stool with a little typewriter on his lap, just typewriting away. It's like, oh, it's like so twee. It is a little tweet. See, I'm not into, I was never into the hardware side of things because old hardware is expensive and annoying and it, it like catches fire. Like, I don't want to live with that, but I do love emulators. I always think emulators are cool because they're, yeah. you can just, yeah, you can use an old game from a Commodore 64 from 20 years ago and you can go like, oh, that's kind of funny or that doesn't make any sense anymore or wow. Sarah, I have something for you. This came from a friend who's in media, but not in technology at all. Ben Smith, formerly of BuzzFeed, who's now the media columnist at the Times. Turns out we're neighbors in this little town we moved to uh, once I left the city. And so he sent me a TikTok from Stack Overflow. I'll put it here in the uh, Slack chat. But I I guess maybe Stack Overflow memes are starting to get out into the wider world. He didn't understand this at all. He just thought it was hilarious. So I don't know. When you're cruising around TikTok, do you ever see stuff like that? Oh, yeah, all the time. There's all kinds of Stack Overflow TikToks. It's great. I love seeing them. And I always share them with you. So wait, tell me about this. I didn't know anything about this. It's a great sketch. So it's like a non-programmer trying to figure out how to put on their shoes as a human being. The question is, how, how should this human being put on their shoes? And the programmer goes to Stack Overflow and then they go through, I think, three three different questions, which are kind of meant to represent the canonical answer. Got it. Yeah. How do you explain Stack Overflow to a non-programmer without telling them what it is? So wait, Sarah, you're big on TikTok. Uh, no, I'm not big on TikTok. I just watch probably a thousand TikToks a day. Yes. Yeah. You're, you are engaged with TikTok, is, I think <laughs> yeah. what I meant to say. What's the Stack Overflow scene overall? There's, it's always it's pretty similar. People make a lot of the same jokes that we see online of like, here's what happens when you answer a question on Stack Overflow. And then like, 
getting pounded in the head with like a big mallet or something like that. Also like classic TikTok material, not... Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause TikTok isn't really a teaching tool, right? Like it's a mocking, like you have to make fun of a thing or yeah. sing a sea shanty. Oh my God. They're getting good. Yeah. It's also like you can either make people laugh or rage in a very small amount of time. Gotcha. Or yeah. Laugh, gotcha. rage or support. Got it. Uh, lady engineer TikTok is the best. There's a lot of yeah. awesome engineers with cool experiences that they'll share online. It's just, I love finding that. And I'm imagining it's just like a certain amount of existential exhaustion built into that community. Yeah. That makes for good, <laughs> exactly. good humor. Yeah. Yeah. But great makeup tips. I learn a lot. So, all right. Stack TikTok. Didn't know. So somebody sent this along to us in the, in the mailbag. Um, I'll share it with you. Maybe you can give me some thoughts. Are you familiar with DevNull as a service? How I shared this with you? Sarah, do you know what DevNull is? I know it's like a Linux concept. Can you uh, be our Linux whisperer? Oh, boy. Oh, this is danger zone. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to say, recently, you know, whenever I, people have stopped just yelling as much at me in public and in and, and email, like they'll just be like, hey, I heard you say that and I thought I would clarify. So I'm less horrified to just talk out loud because after 20 years of being screamed at, maybe maybe our culture is changing for the better. I'm not terrified, but let me let me do my best. So Unix has the concept of device drivers, which are like virtual files. And just as you can kind of write something to a file, you can write it to the device driver. So a great example would be the printer. I want to print something. And so I cat, I concatenate that that text onto the printer device and the printer goes, Oh, I just received a bunch of text. I better go do my printer thingy. Mm. So dev null is the black hole. Dev dev null is like, put it in here and nothing will come out. It's the trash fire of the, Oh, it's like uh, part of the file structure. Is that what you're saying? Or it's, I'll give you an example. Let's say I am, I don't know. I'm, I'm doing something and it produces an enormous amount of output and I want that output to go away. I don't want to see it. I only want to see like one kind of output and not the other. I can just, send all of that to dev null and it's now gone. I don't have to deal with it. I'll only see the other messages that are showing up mm. on the terminal. So it's a place to throw things away and never hear from them again. So and like, that's probably gotcha. really valuable when you have these like terminal, when you're returning just a ton of data and you only want to see a little bit of it. That's right. Or you're testing, right? You don't want to write, you know, five terabytes of output to disk. You just want to throw them away. Okay. And so this whole thing is thinking of it as a service. Yeah, so how does that work? Don't get rid of your data yourself anymore. Use our distributed service located in over 380 countries. I like their who we are. We're a young and dynamic team of messy data scientists who have failed at being employed on the real market. Our experience in losing data and throwing files is mm-hmm. more than amazing. All right, so this is <laughs> this is a fun fun thing. Yeah. Uh, serious thing. Yeah, okay. yeah, I think so. All right, devnull is a service.com. It's got a lot of dashes. devnull-as-a-service.com. Oh, I see. So the idea here is that you can really, you can send things to their website and it'll throw it away for you for only $5,000 a year. That's so great. What yeah. a feature. <laughs> I'm glad. And they created a nice little page. It's it's someone named Florian. I, look, I'm ready to use it. I'll do it. I'll give them $5,000. It's hard to throw data away. We're learning that as someone backs up all of Parler right now while we're recording and they're talking about it. That's right. It's very hard. Parler should have used DevNull as a service. $5,000. It's not even a Bitcoin. Hey, how's Bitcoin doing? Oof. Oof. What? Really? It's a roller coaster out there. Really? Yeah. Really Didn't well. it drop like 30% overnight? Yeah, but it's still $33,000 per nonsense nickel. I mean, what yeah. are you worried oh, about? Oh, yeah. 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 Depends where you got in. 
I mean, if you if you got in on January 9th, you've had some warning at this point around what's going <laughs> to happen. It's just, it's such a cycle. It's like, don't get in. It's head into a bubble. It is, this is, it's, it, don't play with fire. And then it's always, oh man, I wish I'd gotten in. That's where I'm at. Sure. Every time it goes on one of those runs. Or you could put that money in an index fund. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think that keeps up with inflation anymore. Uh, is opening up your source code worth it? We have a post here from Terry Cavanaugh who builds games, I guess. This was a puzzle platformer. He's also done Super Hexagon and Dicey Dungeons. Super Hexagon! Um, I played that once. Oh, and VVVVV. Yeah? I don't know how I you like pronounce that. this. VVVVVVV or 6V or VVV. Yeah, that was yeah. a very popular game. It was popular. What do you think of this like blanket statement? I mean, what have you ever been involved in a project that went open source um, or let out the source code in a certain way and it did or didn't work? Or is this something that's difficult to relate to? I mean, what are the outcomes, right? The outcomes are you release it and nobody cares. That's my experience. Mm-hmm. I, I or think that's the you vast... release it and people yell at you for being dumb after they read it. <laughs> you release it and people use that as a chance to show their dominance and to control the territory, right? Like, And then there's you release it and people issue incremental improvements in order to generate a better product, which happens, I think, when you have a super famous product that is 11 years old, you have a right. much better chance. And, you know, look, I mean, the thing is here, like there's a web assembly port of it, right? So like what that is something that you will never have time to do as an independent developer on a retro game is port your game to lots of different systems. People on the systems are mm. motivated to do that. So those are great outcomes. It's more, it's more people get access. Somebody's ported it to the Dreamcast here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wait, which one? Was, Dreamcast is a while ago, right? That was like, that's a very obscure one. Sega. This um, this guy's GitHub has a project, Terry Cavanaugh, the author of VVVVV. There's a project here called Tower Defense of the Heart. That looks cool. <laughs> uh, it's in a language called Hacks. Have you ever heard of that? Hacks? I have not. H-A-X-E. This is, so Hacks is like a fully cross-platform language. Like that's the thing. It's mm-hmm. really big on building apps like across everything. And it has mm. its own VM and, and it's, I know it gets used for games. Yeah. I don't know. So it feels like an open source unity, but maybe a little more, a little less 3D, 3D oriented and a little more like broad web application oriented. I mean, it makes a lot of sense because there's all of these things where now your games can plug in that are pretty, pretty sealed up. Like the Apple TV right now has arcade and I'm sure doing stuff for that and the Amazon fire and a computer and a phone, right? You have to be able to being cross-platform is pretty important as a game developer. Good for hacks. All right, so wait. You know what we haven't done in a while? We haven't looked at Stack Exchange for the top questions. Oh, here's a good one. How to pull back an email that has already been <laughs> sent on Super User. Oh, that's a rough one. Because it's yeah. the dream, right? Do you guys use the Gmail, like the undo button on Gmail, that, that setting? Yes. I do. Yeah, me too. Do. All the time. But I rarely, I rarely need it. They're baking in a little window there for you. What is that user pattern where it's like, okay, good to go. And then 90% of the time you're going to go, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah, I've maybe used it twice since I had it, but it makes me feel good that I have it. Oh, really? I use mm-hmm. it all the time. Well, you can see the email you've just sent. So sometimes I realize I've forgotten to sign it or include the link or whatever. Like I kind of scan the email I just sent right after I sent it, which is a weird, it is a weird pattern. I guess I could read it over first. But the truth is you're not getting that email back unless you're breaking in and erasing it. (laughs) 
from their from their society. Yeah, what's your I shouldn't have sent that email story. Do you have like a real nightmare that you think of when I say those words? I have other tremendous humiliations in my life, but no, I, I never actually have a I've never had one of those where I got truly called out. I think I forwarded one thing I shouldn't know, but it was a more like, oh yeah, you're kind of a you're kind of a dick. And I was like, yeah, I was kind of dickish. And the person was like, yeah, okay. Like just kind of anticlimactic, annoying, predictable behavior rather than like like there's the ones that are like, oh, I've I've ruined my life. Those are always wonderful. And then there's the reply yeah. all nightmares. <laughs> and then but most of yeah. these are just like, yeah, I, I guess I really am nowhere near as good of a person as I like to project myself <laughs> as. And the person on the other side goes, yeah, that's about right. I remember I did once. I got. It, I was on the other side. So I wrote a newsletter for a magazine, and uh, somebody I knew replied and thought they were forwarding it to someone else, and just kind of trashed my writing. Oh my god! That was a good one. <laughs> I was. I never let them forget it. I still know that person. Like I'm friends with them, and I will never let them forget. It, it was pure jealousy, and I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. It was wonderful. One time when I was a baby developer, just like a baby baby, I was sending an email to a friend I was working with regarding gossip in my dating life, and I accidentally sent it to the entire team. It was ah. really bad. It was really awful. I think I was just thinking about it and how cringe it was. Like ah. 20 years later, all, all uh, that was the worst. Yeah, that's terrible because you're just... Couldn't make eye contact for a while. It's just also everything you're avoiding and they're all laughing at you for real. Yes. Like it's not paranoia. Yes. They're actually no, all they laughing are. at you. <laughs> I mean, that makes me think, Sarah. Yeah, I've definitely... I, I couldn't think of it with email, but with Slack, I've definitely sent a chat to somebody that was gossip or completely unrelated to work and then realized that I've sent it, you know, to a different DM or like a big open group and had to like rush in and delete it. But that doesn't really leave much of a trail, actually. Like if you get to it. Quick oh, enough. yeah. The Slack DM erase is pretty good. One of the things I'm most yeah. proud of is I have not had a true DM fail on Slack. I am <laughs> knocking on wood as I'm saying it. I have never I've never really screwed it up. I, I really thought hard about it. I'm like, OK, let's make sure that when I'm communicating, and I actually I sort of buttoned up a lot of my overall dm style like i'm just careful because mm. it, it's it's a risk like it's so easy to run your mouth when you're bored and then you realize i shouldn't have been running my big mouth <laughs> what's funny is now that i'm the boss i'm sure those conversations are happening about me like you know you get that those stat statistics or those slack statistics and it's like 90 percent of conversations were in dm this week that and you're like oh, oh were they but <laughs> i feel that that's sacred right being right. able to bitch and moan inside a dm is sacred right are you familiar with the law of Demeter? I've never heard of this before. Is this a... No, what's that? The principle of least knowledge or the law of Demeter is a warning against entangling your class with details of other classes that should traverse layer after layer. It tells you that it's better to talk only with your friends and not with your friends of friends. And then the person here is asking, is there a good scenario in which you should violate this? They have some code in their app that, you know, is A to B to C to D, while uh, the LOD recommends only A to B. And when is it valid to break Wait, are we rule? talking about human beings or code? <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> object-oriented code. Yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. So the law of Demeter is don't include information about one class and another class. You want them only to be responsible for what they are in charge of. Yeah, I'll share with you here. This was from our software engineering stack exchange, which I think is where I see the most sort of like open-ended questions, mm -hmm. um, you know, that are more about like, best practices and principles as opposed yeah. to like, can you help me fix this error that's getting thrown out? Why do ogres eat people? That's an important <laughs> question. You know, what I love is uh, the answer to is like, 
Uh, so the the question is like, what nutrients force ogres to feed on people? And the answer is like, what nutrients force humans to feed on pigs? Like, mm, apparently we're just delicious. You know, as we're as we're talking, what you're realizing is that the absolute like everything has been knocked out of tech news. <laughs> there's just like yeah, there's- there is nothing going on. Everyone is just kind of limping along, hitting their posting ratio, and just or not. I know companies that are just not posting anything. Oh God, yeah. I saw something cool this week, and let me share it. Uh, this post that is on Medium, and I got a lot of traction on Hacker News, is about a guy who took a Raspberry Pi and two e-ink screens um, and made art for his wall that shows the front page of the New York Times every day. It's a great use oh, of Raspberry Oh, there's a picture Pi. of it. I mean, it looks like an old-school newspaper has it's been beautiful. framed. So is that e-paper, that display? Yes, yes. You know, I don't think – I think e-paper is something that – is due for a renaissance. I feel that like it kind of, it got there early, got there early with Kindle. And then everybody's like, all right, well, that's what it's for. But I mean, I'm looking at this. This is cool as hell. They're uh, remarkable. Have you heard of remarkable? That's what I wanted to bring up, right? Like, so apparently it's a PDF viewer that you can scribble on and it really, really works and feels like paper. I've been really thinking about getting one. I've been thinking about too. And I'll tell you why, because I feel that I like technologies that catch up with the garbage world we live in. Like we have to deal with PDFs in our world. There's just no way you're going to have PDFs and there is nothing. I have a big iPad and it is good for scribbling on PDFs, but it just doesn't quite get there. And it looks like this one does when it comes like the iPad is, is actually a wonderful supercomputer that lets you do everything. And it's pretty good for reading PDFs, but this just looks like it nails it. It does. And, you know, I take notes. I'm like, I'm, I'm some people have really good systems. I'm the messiest note taker. I just like grab no. the closest notebook and just write something and then lose it. Um, so yeah. something like this seems like it would be really helpful. Oh, imagine having one notebook instead of 20 old spiral bound notebooks that are one third filled each piled up on a shelf. You do have different ideas when you get to like switch between writing and sketching. Like when you get to switch between drawing or creating arrows, making maps, and writing stuff down. So, like, it brings out a different side of you. Nothing is better. Paper is so good for the brain compared to computer. It's so good for well, the brain. Well, yeah. e-ink is maybe, like, I've almost close to the second second best because, like, the battery life is forever. It's, like, almost like paper. Oh, e-paper mm-hmm. is so good. So this is the thing, right? So let's think about this. It's getting cheaper. So it used to be expensive, but it's, yeah. I think it's getting cheaper and so you have to assume eventually it's going to get really cheap, right? So high resolution, probably still black and white for a while, but there, I know there, there have been attempts to make it in color. You can hang it anywhere. It's going to be Wi-Fi controllable, and it's a high-res display medium. And then with stuff like Remarkable, you can scribble all over it. This is a, this is a point of disaggregation, right? Because 99% of everything that you used to do with computers, you can now do with a device that kind of sits in your lap and that you can mess around with with your fingers. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's uh, every it's day bananas. my mind is blown. <laughs> but every time, every time I'm like, oh wow. Sometimes it gets a little disappointing because it's like every now and then I would like to buy something and I'm like, no, I don't need to buy anything. Right. I don't have to do. Yeah, there's that viral video where they take all the things like that just come stock on the old iPhone and they unbundle it at Radio Shack and even in like 1997 it would have cost you four thousand dollars, you know, for the calculator. And the compass, right? And the computer, and the camera. There, there's a lot of arguments about whether or not that's why we don't have any inflation. Because just like all this stuff we used to buy is all wrapped up now in this one little device. On the flip side, all of that stuff had a headphone jack, so that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paul, we were... you had that great tweet this weekend with the American Psycho picture. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. I tweeted out the picture of the dude from American Psycho looking at his stereo with a poncho on right before he murders someone. And I'm just like, all this stuff could be in your phone. He's got an <laughs> equalizer. Let's listen to Genesis. I think the e-ink stuff is amazing. I've seen Kindles that, you know, just like got left for two years or something. As long as you don't turn it on, the battery just lasts forever with those things. And I do. They're, they're drawing yeah. no juice, right? So it's it's. So incredible battery efficiency is just really attractive because it turns out to be kind of a pain to keep things charged. And it really aligns well with books. So I think that there is probably this category of, you know, and God forbid it would just be a multi-hundred million dollar business instead of a trillion dollar business. But (laughs) there is this category of things where like incredibly low battery, incredibly high resolution and kind of a little bit passive, but maybe you can interact with it and scribble and, and kind of quiet consumption. Look, the market mm-hmm. is never going to be as big as it is for like Kindle fires where your kids can watch, you know, robots smash each other while you get some work done, right? Like that, <laughs> that's, you know, those are $49. You can buy them in a bucket at Best Buy, like a giant bucket full of Kindle fires. I saw that <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, well, that's where we're going. <laughs> when you're purchasing your consumer tech out of a bucket, then we're, you're getting to, yeah. you know what I mean? Bucket those like those giant tablets. paper buckets near the checkout where they just sort of <laughs> throw the boxes in. Yeah, a tablet is now an impulse buy next to the candy in the checkout aisle. Just like, ugh, give me one. Oh of those. yeah, yeah, I should that get another those, like, Little sticks you put in your TV. Oh, those, my god! So consuming high resolution, high bandwidth content is like has approached zero, and the platforms are going to make all their money from from selling you access. That's what Reed Hastings says. Netflix is competing with sleep. <laughs> well, you know, this does kind of blow up. The, I remember there's a point where it goes too far. Like back, there was a point where the it was either the CEO or, or some lead person at Coca-Cola said, you know, the future I want is one where you have two, t- three taps, hot, cold, and Coke. And it was like, <laughs> first of all, that's like four or five taps. Like I want Diet Coke. Sometimes, I, you know, but and, and people did not react well to that. State. Oh, really? Like. Yeah, people did not want, they're like, if that's your goal, that's kind of uncool. Like, Coke does not need to come out of a tap in my house. But I'm sure there's several mm-hmm. business books wrote, written about that. Well, look, we've all been in that meeting where the think of in chief says, like, now hold on a minute. <laughs> what if instead of hot and cold water, you could, all, you know, and everybody's like, yeah, that is the future we want, right? Like, why not think that way? And then someone runs their mouth to beverage monthly, and now you have a scandal on your hands. Am I naive? As someone on the outside wondering if like the e-ink is like the solution for the classroom. Oh, yeah. I think it would be really good. Yeah, because here's the hot. The thing I learned is that kids all collaborate in Google Docs and they communicate in there. They do. Here's, here's the problem with younger kids doing remote school right now. It's just a cognitive overload. We are, we are constantly – I'm using these tools for the Chromebook, which have gotten a lot better in the last year to kind of manage what the kids can access. Yeah, they're much better. So you can set timing per app, which is really good, except then when you have a little kid and suddenly Minecraft turns off, they they don't see that <laughs> as like, oh, I sh- I'm glad I'm regulating myself with the help right. of the computer. They completely freak out. And so it's just like, it's really tough, right? And re- what I would love are devices that were relatively cheap, that were just completely away from the absolute disaster farm that we all work and live on now. Like this, it's so unhealthy to be like two seconds away from YouTube and two, and a, and a, and a nine-year-old cannot regulate themselves. In no, way. I can't regulate myself. So how can you expect a nine-year-old? No, I mean, I think e-paper with audio and Wi-Fi built in where the teacher could talk to you would be a magical device for where we are right now. 
The disconnect economy is definitely something I would want to invest in. Like Electric Objects, that old art project, I loved that. It was a screen that hung on your wall, and it was a piece of art that you could change. It had a little bit of sort of like life to it in the way you know a digital object does, but it wasn't interactive at all. No, it, it just great. showed nice art. And it was a really nice matte kind of screen. We, ha- we have one at work, and the art was well curated. It wasn't expensive. It was just a very cool idea. Yeah. And yeah, I think like e-paper on the wall... This is to me, I, I God, I wish it could go this way. Like I, it would be so much better for education. Everything is, although at the same time, it is, it's great that kids can watch like YouTube of how Van Gogh used to paint. Although everybody now mm. pronounces it Van Gogh everywhere. So I guess I better get on. This <laughs> I'll say one more thing before we have to jump to our lifeboats, which is that, yeah, Paul, the teachers who lock things down well, as you do, have had some success. But the teachers who don't, like the library teacher or whatever, who comes in, who's not really sure, is completely unaware that while she's reading her book on the Zoom to the kids, they are all just chatting in the background, changing their avatars, and exchanging emojis. Like, unless you lock it down, that's where they immediately go. No, and, and within within like 12 seconds. Because what happens is um, you can multitask. So, like, the kids are watching YouTube on the side. It's funny for a while, and then you're just like, Ugh, like it's just exhausting because you I went to bed with my kid. I like got him settled down. I'm sort of petting his back. And he's like, like, how you doing, buddy? And he's like, Dad. I'm like, what? He's like, I hate parental controls. <laughs> right. And I'm like, well, let's talk about that later. But it's like that, like, this is as we're going to bed. Like, computer was four hours right. ago. I hate parental right. control. Like, that is to him right. the worst thing that has ever happened. <laughs> And we actually have a deal. Like we yeah. hide the remotes. Like there is because kids don't have regulation, and then you put them in front mm. of the most unregulated brain chaos device, as we all know, because we've just lived through four years of a global, like right. like explosion of brain chaos. And you're like, okay, we're gonna get, we're gonna figure it out. It's not good. E paper. E paper is the answer. All right. We'll shout out a lifeboater before we end the episode. That's someone who earned a badge with an answer score of 20 or more from a question that had a score of negative three or less. Today, we will give it to Gordon Larrigan, awarded yesterday, sort an array of arrays in JavaScript. I'll put this in the show notes if anybody's interested in the answer. I'm Ben Popper, director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. You can always email us, podcast at stackoverflow.com. And I've now read... Not one, but two things from the mailbag. So if you send something in, you will probably hear it on the show. Yeah, we're going to get better about our mailbag. I'm Paul Ford, friend of Stack Overflow. Uh, I have a company called Postlight that I co-founded, and we are in need of engineers. We have a lot of good work coming our way. And boy, uh, as well as product managers and designers, remote or New York City-based is great. So get in touch, postlight.com. Great. And I'm Sarah Chips, uh, director of community here at Stack Overflow. And you can find me at Sarah Joe on GitHub. 